John chapter 10. This past week, I had the privilege of having lunch with Daniel and Ivana Eifling. Daniel grew up in Katy. Ivana grew up in Poland. They met at Denver Seminary, fell in love, and went back to Poland to serve Christ where she's from. Ivana had grown up under the darkness of communism in Poland. The hardships that that brought were great. But even greater than that, she and her family were abandoned by their mom when she was a little girl. And that brought even greater pain, heartache, and wounds in her young soul. And as we visited over lunch, she talked about, as a young girl, longing for life. She said she would have dreams and daydreams over and over and over again of being an old woman with joy on her face, surrounded by her children and their children. But she also wondered, where is the one who will take me by the hand and lead me to that kind of place? She wanted healing. She wanted life. But she wondered who could ever take me there. I think all of us, to one degree or another, or really to a very, very deep degree, long for the same kind of thing. You and I are looking for life. And sometimes we're looking in all the wrong places. Ivana, as she talked, said that she did the same thing. She looked and looked and looked, sometimes in all the wrong places. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for joy. We're looking for satisfaction. We're looking for abundant life. And in one way or another, we're looking for someone to lead us there. We'll explore at least a little bit some of those options For some of us, some of you with a more tender heart, you're looking like Ivana was for someone to take you by the hand and lead you to green pastures. Others of us who maybe have a tougher spirit, if you will, we're looking for someone who will lead us, who will defeat our enemies and take us to a place of greatness. We're all searching for life and we're looking for the one who will take us there. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the one. I'm the one who can lead you to life and life abundant and even eternal. We looked at it last week. Matt led us through a portion of this passage. I'd just like to read it all. And we'll jump in together in chapter 10, verse 1, all the way down through verse 21. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice 
and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Matt explored with us last week Jesus' statement, I am the door. Jesus is the access to a relationship with God that leads to, as Jesus says here, salvation and satisfaction. In verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So one of the images Jesus uses in this passage is that he is the door. He is the access point to life with God. But he goes on in verse 11. Not only is he the door, but he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have no other sheep, or I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will come become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Jesus affirms to us that he is the good shepherd. If you're new with us today at Redeemer, this summer we're looking at the great I am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. He has said that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. And here he says, I am the good shepherd. And he's contrasting himself to the false shepherds. Matt showed us in Ezekiel 34 last, last week, hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene, there were the shepherds of the people, the leaders within Israel, and yet they were falling short of their calling to feed God's people, to care for God's people, to protect God's people. They were in it for themselves, and because of that, they cared not for the people of God. And God said in Ezekiel 34 that he himself would one day come and shepherd his people. He would feed them. 
He would clothe them. He would protect them. He would care for them. He would lead them. And Jesus comes and says, it's me. They are self-centered. What can they get out of it? Jesus calls them, more than one occasion, thieves and robbers in verse 1. He is a thief and a robber. In verse 8, all who come before me are thieves and robbers. In verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, if you were to make a distinction between a thief and a robber, it might simply be this, that a thief is more deceptive in nature. A robber is more forthcoming, aggressive, in your face, maybe even violent to take what you have. Their intention is to steal, to kill, and destroy. I was pondering on that this morning. I couldn't help. Some of y'all remember Mike Tyson. Y'all remember Mike Tyson? One of his interviews, they were asking him, and Mike said, I was in there to punch, and I punched with bad intentions. That's what he was in there to do. Not just to hit you, but to hit you with bad intentions. The thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy. Some of us ministered to by Campus Crusade for Christ, we learned the four spiritual laws and we were taught law number one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, there are lots of folks, lots of things in our culture that do not love us and do not have wonderful plans for our lives, but all the time are, follow me, follow me, follow me. I will lead you into life. If you want to really live, if you want to have abundance, if you want to be happy, if you want to be really satisfied, follow me. The reality is they do not love us and they do not have wonderful plans for our lives. And all of us know because all of us have listened to those voices far too many times and we have found that it does not lead to abundant life. It does not lead to satisfaction. Hollywood does not love you and does not have a wonderful plan for your life. Madison Avenue, the hub of the American Advertising industry does not love you, nor me, and have a wonderful plan for our lives. Visa, MasterCard, and even your local bank that you love does not love you and have a wonderful plan for your life. The universities that we attended and we love so much, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook does not love us and have a wonderful plan for our life. Nor does Washington, D.C., whether it's the Republicans, the Democrats, the Libertarians, or who might, whoever it might be. There are religions of this world that lead us away from Jesus Christ. They too do not have a wonderful plan 
for our life. But these are voices. These are potential shepherds in your life and mine saying, follow me. Follow me and I will lead you to life. And Jesus says they're false. And they come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says that he's the good shepherd. From Ezekiel 34, from John 10, we could say at least a few things about Jesus as the shepherd. He knows his sheep. He is intimately involved in the lives of his people. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own. As Matt taught us, those sheep would be in a sheepfold and various shepherds would put their flocks of sheep into this big fold and then the next morning would come and call their sheep out by name. Jesus feeds his sheep. The false shepherds of Israel were excoriated by God because they were not feeding his people. And yet Jesus gives us the food and provides for us. He protects his sheep. In verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. But Jesus says that he is the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. If a wolf is coming, he steps in front. And friends, we'll probably get there later, but now's as good a time as any. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your good shepherd, as your savior, the reality is, according to the scripture, that there are wolves out there that are seeking to destroy you and me. And the three biggies would be sin, death, and hell. And left to ourselves, we are but little bitty sheep. We are sheep. We can't run. We are we are white as we can be out in a green field. We can't hide, right? If a wolf comes, a sheep can't hide, and he can't run away. He is completely, completely dependent upon a sheep or upon the shepherd. You and I are vulnerable because of our sin. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it separates us from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So we sin. And it separates us from God and it leads to all kinds of mess in our own lives. 
And then it leads to death. From the very beginning, God had said to Adam and to Eve, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, and the day you eat of it you shall die. And the story of human history from Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve ate, is, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. One of the terrible effects of sin is death. Look at it more closely next week when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. But Jesus comes to deal with our sin. He comes to deal with death and then eternity. The Bible says that there are two places of eternity, one separated from God forevermore and the other with God forevermore. Jesus the good shepherd comes to protect his people from those wolves of sin and death and hell. He lays down his life to pay for your sin and mine. He dies, but then rises back to life such that all who are united to him, though we die, we shall live again. Talk about that next week. And we will be with him forever. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. In contrast to the shepherd or the false shepherds who are thieves and who are robbers who come only to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus knows his sheep and provides for his sheep and protects his sheep and leads his sheep. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and we will follow him all the way home. Psalm 23. How does it end? Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd. He will lead us all the way home. His intentions, already spelled them out, but let's show them. Our salvation, verse 9, I'm the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Matt talked about that last week, and I've alluded to it. Jesus came to save us, to deliver us. We were in need of salvation, in need of deliverance because of our sin. And Jesus comes to live a holy life. He did not sin, but then to die upon a cross, he takes upon himself our sin to pay the penalty for it. God is satisfied with it and raises his son from the dead and thus he comes to offer salvation, deliverance for any and all who will be united to him. He also comes to give satisfaction. I'm the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. He will be safe and secure in a place of peace. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
David said, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. In Psalm 27, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, I would have despaired if all I thought was that Christ had come to offer me life everlasting. And yet I would not have experienced life now in the land of the living. David believed that life with God, life in relationship with God, offered great promise in the here and now, not only in the life to come. Those of us who have walked with Jesus, we know the way of the good shepherd, don't we? It is a life of humility, not pride. A life of truth, not deceit. A life of gentleness, not harshness. A life of forgiveness, not revenge. A life of generosity, not envy and greed. A life of purity, not defilement. A life of faithfulness, not disloyalty. A life of courage, not cowardice. It is a life of grace and truth lived in service to God and others. What a life. What a life. It may not be a rich and wealthy life. It may not even be a healthy life. We may never have all the things we wish we could have in this life. We may struggle with disease and all kinds of heartache and pain. But in the midst of it, we know the joy of the Lord. Whenever you and I turn a deaf ear to all of the false shepherds that say, follow me and I'll lead you to life. And we listen to the voice of the good shepherd and go his way, we find life indeed. So he comes for salvation, he comes for satisfaction, and he comes for the nations. In verse 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. This fold is the people of Israel. And among the people of Israel, God had some sheep that he was calling out. But he says, I also have other sheep which are not not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. He's talking about the Gentile nations like you and me, that the goodness of the Lord in his salvation and in the abundant life that he offers is not only for his sheep from the nation of Israel, but it is for all that he will call to himself. And the grounds for all of this, all of the goodness that comes to you and me, 
the salvation that we experience and the forgiveness of our sins and the hope of eternal life, the satisfaction that we experience because we are united to God through his son Jesus and filled with his spirit, the grounds of it is five times over in these last few verses, I lay down my life, I lay down my life, I lay down my life. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. That's his resurrection. No one has taken it away from me but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up Again, this commandment I received from my Father. At the foundational level of all the good that you and I experience is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, laying down his life for his sheep. At the center of Christianity is the cross where the eternal Son of God laid down his life for his people. That's what we remember in the Lord's Supper. His body given for us. His blood shed for us. We are Redeemer Community Church. That is the redemption. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. He comes to pay the price to release us from the enslavement that we were in. The price was his life and his blood that he shed for us. And I always love to make this point when we can. Jesus said, this commandment I received from my father. Maybe you're here today and your thoughts about Christianity have led at some point to think of, of there, was, there was God and all of his holiness and righteousness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, his Trinitarian nature. And his people sinned against him, rebelled against him, turned away from him. And that in his righteousness, his justice must punish that sin. And maybe the picture you have is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went begging to his heavenly Father. Father, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I will go and save them. And so that God the Father reluctantly sent his son to be a savior for the pe his people. That ain't it at all. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one, all were involved in this plan birthed from love and mercy to save their people. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus speaks of laying down his life that he may take it up again in resurrection. This commandment I received from my father. This was the plan 
Paul said in Galatians, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He comes to bring salvation, to bring satisfaction, and to do so to all the peoples of the world. To those of us who know Jesus and who know him as the good shepherd, we desire to be led by him, don't we? He's our shepherd and we are the sheep and we want to follow him. I would just quickly remind you and me who want to hear the voice of our shepherd that he has given us his voice in his word. In the Bible. And so if you and I want to hear the voice of the shepherd, we are not meant to do that apart from the Bible in some sort of subjective, well, I think the Lord is saying to me kind of way. Or not to go with just simple thoughts that may pop into our head about what we believe God wants us to be or to do. The foundation of hearing the voice of our shepherd is the Bible. And so I remind you and me, let's read and read and read and be saturated with the voice of the shepherd. This is his voice that calls to us, that warns us, that instructs us. He is our shepherd and he speaks to us through his word. We might change the metaphor a little bit. It's also his staff, is it not? whereby he might nudge us and tap us and have to reach out with us and pull us back in. It's the word of God. This is the voice. This is the staff of the shepherd. And I remind us, the voice of the sheep. Prayer. Bah! 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 Do you pray? Well, you and I are just sheep. We are not as strong as we think we are. We need him. Some of you maybe came in with no relationship with the shepherd. Look at verses 19, 20, and 21. A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Is that you? When you hear the gospel, when you hear the good news that God and the person of his son, Jesus Christ, has come to rescue his people, to be their savior, to offer them abundant life as they follow his lead. When you hear that, you go, that's insane. It's ridiculous. 
I hope not. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? It's going back to chapter 9, right before this good shepherd discourse where Jesus had healed the blind man. Some said he's demon possessed. He's insane. I'm not going to follow him. Others said a demon possessed man can't do this. Maybe this man is the good shepherd. Maybe he is the savior of the world. Verse 3 says he calls his own sheep and leads them out. Is he maybe calling you today? You've never been a follower of Jesus. Maybe all of your life you haven't thought much of him or when you did, he's insane, I don't need him, he's nothing to me. But maybe right now, as these words have been read and have been commented upon, maybe Jesus is calling to your soul right now. You are but a sheep, but I am a good shepherd. And I will save you. And I will lead you to abundant life. And I will take you home. Will you follow me? If that's you, what you do is you just talk to him. It's prayer. It's just talking to him. And you tell him that you need him. You tell him that you know you're a sinner. You tell him that you know you have followed lots of other shepherds. And lo and behold, they were false and it did not lead to abundant life. Tell him that you need forgiveness. And you want to follow his ways. That you believe he came. And that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And that he rose from the dead. That he's alive. And that you want to take him as your savior. Trust in him. Say, God, I don't know what all that means. But I want to trust you. Believe and trust in your son, Jesus. And listen, if that's the intention of your heart, he will forgive you. And he will come into your life. And he will take you just as you are, but he never leaves us just as we are. Praise God. He'll begin to change you. Make you into the man or woman that he longs for you to be and even you long to be. And it'll be an up and down ride. But he will provide, he will protect, and he will lead you home one day. Ivana was in Poland. She was hurting. Poland was a place in those days, even under communism, because of the influence and the history of the Catholic Church, 
that evangelists could get into the country and could preach. And in that part of the country where she lived, a revival came, a tent revival. She made her way there. She heard a man preach about Jesus. She said, oh, did he preach? And as he was coming to the end of his message and as he was calling upon people to put their faith in Christ and follow him, she said, he said, Jesus wants to take you by the hand and lead you to life. That had been her dream, her daydream for a long, long, long time. And she's wondering, who, who's going to take me by the hand and lead me to that kind of life? And He said it. God put it all together and she put her faith in Jesus. She got saved. And over the years, she has found deep satisfaction in Jesus Christ. She came to the States to study at Denver Seminary with a passion to learn of God and His Word and to take it back home, which she and her husband now do, and she has an incredible ministry in particular with young people in need of, as the way she puts it, the healing ministry of Jesus in their souls. She said, I didn't know it then, the evangelist was Luis Palau. He's one of the most famous evangelists of the last 50 years, for sure. Jesus wants to be your good shepherd, to take you by the hand, to lead you to life. Will you have him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this passage of Scripture that tells us more of our Savior, that he is our good shepherd. For those of us who know him as such, might we attend our ears to his voice, crying out to him for his leadership in our lives. And Lord, for any friends here today, who've never put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Might you open the eyes of their heart now to see themselves as but sheep, vulnerable sheep in need of the good shepherd. Help them to see that Jesus is the good shepherd who has come to lay down his life for his sheep that they might be saved, that they might have life abundant and life eternal. Draw them to yourself right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.